Chapter 19 of The Yellow Dove by George Gibbs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tony Oliva. The Cave on the Thorvald. Safe? he heard her whisper. Yes, for the present. You have what you came for. I think so. And what shall we do now? Sleep. You're dead beat. Come. He rose and helped her to her feet then after another pause turned toward the wall of rocks behind them do you think you can make it it's a difficult climb yes i've that much left in me you lead the way and i'll follow her teeth were chattering as he touched her sleeve he found it soaked with moisture poor child you're nearly frozen he had not been conscious of the occasional spatter of rain for his leather jacket had kept him dry but I'll have you warm and snug before you can say knife. And when she questioned, A fire, he replied. Isn't that what one uses to get warm with? But here, tonight? Oh, don't bother. You'll see. They were climbing up the face of the slippery rocks, Hammersley pausing from time to time to let her rest, pulling her from above when he reached the ledges, and at last they came out into the amphitheater of boulders from which he had descended. She was almost too weary for comment and followed blindly as he led her to the wall of the rock where he seemed to disappear in its very face. She followed him inside a dark opening and when they were well within he relinquished her hand and struck a match. A brief glimpse she had of a small chamber in the cliff not twenty feet square when the match went out he struck another and shading it with his hand went forward she saw him find what he was looking for and in a moment a candle after faintly sputtering for a moment sent forth a steady glow of light sit here on this stool i'll have you right in a jiffy she obeyed him and looked around her at one side was a bed of pine needles at another a small table and in the middle of the rocky floor the gray embers of what had been a fire a bit roguish but not so bad she nodded while he busied himself in building the fire there were dry leaves twigs and logs in the corner and soon a blaze was leaping cheerfully upward and while she wondered at the signs of occupancy he answered her thought it's Lindbergh's. he comes here often it was here that he and I always slept when we went on hunting trips. You see, there's a natural chimney overhead in the rocks where the bally smoke goes out. They might observe the smoke by day, but at night we're quite safe. I've been all around the place when the fire was gone, and there isn't a sign of it outside. He helped her put her coat off and made her comfortable close to the fire, after which he quickly took the package of papers out of his pocket and examined them. The single papers were military orders of no importance to one Lieutenant Ortsman, obviously the dead messenger. Hammersley put them aside, breaking the seal of the heavy envelope and examining its contents carefully. First, a letter of instructions to His Excellency von Stromberg, signed in the bold hand of the emperor of germany himself he showed her the signature and explained its contents and all thought of weariness went from her mind 
it is it's what you came for yes he replied smiling grimly i've got it is it it isn't so important that you can't tell me she asked timidly he laughed put his arm around her and held her for a moment tenderly she had endured where a man might have flinched and yet at this moment she was all woman timid weary unto death but still curious it was the master impulse no he smiled you've jolly well earned the right to know i'll tell you he was so big so strong so certain of himself that she wondered how for a moment even she could have thought him other than he was with a sudden impulse of pride and tenderness she rose put her arms around his neck and bending his head down to hers kissed him upon the lips he caught her to him and held her in his arms oh cyril she murmured that i could ever have failed in my belief in you that i could ever have thought that you were false why didn't you tell me the truth i would have kept your secret it was impossible dear it was too big a thing and i was sworn to silence but since you found out did you think me curious she asked naively because i read the cigarette papers curious he laughed well rather the mistake i made was in telling you not to read them if i don't laugh at me she whispered i can't stand that the only retribution for what i did this afternoon is a blow if you struck me cyril i should not care but i won't you know old girl but i'm going to kiss you again if you don't mind and he did while a shadow darkened her eyes it seems terrible to be happy even in our moment of security with the shadow of death hanging so closely over us i know you had to kill him cyril but she paused it was either that or he would have killed me as it was it was too jolly close a thing for comfort i gave the other man his chance but he wouldn't take it lucky he didn't for i might have missed the papers she clung to him more closely and if you had been killed she whispered i saw it all at first i thought you had fallen oh cyril the agony of it and then you came out from behind the tree and i knew that you were unharmed i had seen a man die as i had there upon the rocks at benakield but when the other one came at you i wanted you to kill him i wanted it i prayed that you would it was murder in my heart i can't understand how i have changed and i've always thought death such a fearsome thing she hid her face in his shoulder and clung to him trembling she had passed through danger valiantly carelessly even but now that for the moment danger had passed woman-like she yielded to the reaction he kissed her gently Shh, child don't let it work on you no bally use we're safe now yes safe for the present that ought to be enough for me but if anything had happened to you she shuddered but it didn't oh i'm thankful she whispered thankful for that and for you the trouble i've passed through the pain of my thoughts of you i'm thankful for those too 
because without them i never should have known you the real you cyril i sometimes think that life deals too easily with most of us to bring out the best that's in us i never would have known you in england cyril doing the things you always did he smiled at her i'm the same chap though can't tell what a fellow will do when he has to but you didn't have to you might have gone to france and sat in a trench instead of that you did what was harder let them distrust you hold you in contempt keeping silent and cheerful while you were doing such splendid things for england she paused while she caressed him and said in a proud whisper the honorable cyril honorable he smiled you'd hardly get von stromberg to think that that terrible old man she went on clinging to him i can see his vulture face now he would have shot you tomorrow but we fooled him what poor lindberg she questioned him and he told her of the devotion of his old friend and what will von stromberg do to lindberg she asked anxiously i don't know he said slowly nothing perhaps unless udo tells he paused and looked into the fire wish i knew about udo he said thoughtfully we were very good pals last year but he wouldn't see you shot he couldn't do anything i'm betraying his country but not your country cyril she said no thank god not mine i love germany the germany of my mother and the men like lindberg but the germany of von stromberg that's not germany to me do you think we will get away yes he said quickly she read the anxiety in his voice and knew that he was thinking of her and in that moment a new idea of her duty came to her you mean she said quickly that you could get away if it wasn't for me oh cyril i know don't try to deceive me you could disguise yourself and get away to the swiss border it would not be difficult for you i am a weight around your neck which may destroy you hush child no i am not too stupid to see that you ought to be going now she clung to his arms and looked up into his face as her duty came more clearly to her while her voice trembled with earnestness i want you to go cyril your life is valuable to england they are on a false scent down there you could get away in the darkness and by morning you can be miles away i'm not afraid tomorrow i can go and give myself up i'm only a girl an american they will not dare to harm me don't smile i am in deadly earnest you must go cyril now now but he only patted her gently you think that i am a child she went on that i cannot be trusted to get along alone haven't i proved it to you that i am not afraid look at me cyril i am only a little tired now but tomorrow i will go to von stromberg and say here i am now what can you do to me he may threaten and bluster and rage but that will not frighten me when you are safe what can he reply what could he do my nation is not at war with his he would not dare oh cyril say that you'll go 
say that you'll go she looked up into his face and saw that its expression had not changed he was still smiling at her softly while she felt the touch of his fingers gently petting her oh you won't go you won't she cried and then without further warning burst into a passion of tears don't doris for god's sake he whispered don't break now i need all your courage and your strength you've been so brave so strong keep up your spirits there's a dear we'll pull through don't you worry they'll take you if you stay here no they won't find us i'm not afraid of that and there are water and biscuits here we'll take things easy for a while and then slip off do you think i could go and leave you in the lurch pretty sort of johnny i'd be to do a thing like that not for twenty englands doris he whispered kissing her tenderly not for twenty englands i wouldn't his touch soothed her and she grew more quiet of of course you w wouldn't she murmured but i wish you would her hands met around his neck and he raised her chin and kissed her on the mouth it was a kiss of plighted troth of tenderness faith and exalted passion that comes with tears mated he whispered yes yes she murmured faintly they did not move for a long moment when doris slowly disengaged her arms from around his neck and moved slightly away her hair had fallen and hung in golden disorder about her shoulders she put up her arm trying to catch the escaping pins and then she smiled at him dimpling adorably come he said gently you must get to bed your coat is nearly dry but i'll cover you with my jacket you must sleep too no shamming you know can't tell what may happen tomorrow i'll try she murmured obediently while he led her to the couch of boughs and made her lie on it but as he knelt beside her covering her with his jacket she caught his hands and would not relinquish them he raised hers to his lips and kissed them again and again small muscular hands they were but now very brown and dirty are you comfortable sorry i haven't a tub she was silent a moment and then straightened and asked him you promised to tell me about the papers won't you he laughed not now it must be nearly morning yes now i'm not tired now i will sleep afterwards i like to hear your voice cyril maybe it will soothe me to sleep are you sure he asked doubtfully and she nodded he saw that she was still nervous and wakeful and sank beside her couch taking her hand in his it is really quite interesting he began slowly three years ago at the invitation of the emperor of germany when europe was at peace and there was no cloud upon the horizon bigger than a chap's hand there met in a shooting lodge near schoendorf not ten miles from here six men it was a secret conference arranged by the emperor of germany 
through his excellency graf von stromberg the six men were his highness prince von waldheim at one time germany's ambassador to france admiral von frankenhausen head and front of the imperial german navy general von zandersdorf the brains of the german general staff his excellency moritz von komarum minister of war of the austrian empire viscount melbourne english secretary of state for foreign affairs and harlow gordon of the british admiralty she was listening avidly wide-eyed the array of well-known names telling her as nothing else could have done the importance of the conference this meeting was a secret he went on these men all traveled incognito without servants and were met by an agent of general von stromberg at schöndorf and conducted in automobiles to the hunting lodge i have spoken of these men remained there for two days and two nights then went home but while they were there they were making new history for europe he paused to fill his pipe but her curiosity could not be restrained and what were they doing there cyril i can't understand hammersley got up and held his pipe to the candle for matches were scarce and then with maddening calmness sat beside her again that secret meeting of these chaps had to do with nothing less than the ruin of france france she cried england had nothing against france and now she is her ally three years ago the political conditions were different he answered those representatives of england came and sat with representatives of germany and austria while they plotted the destruction of france but how do you know this cyril i can't understand no more do i but it's a fact let me go on at the table in the lodge where this conference was held viscount melbourne made notes of what was going on including the combinations of land and naval forces that could be made against france and russia and the plans to break the russian federation in the balkans when the meeting was over all the scraps of paper these chaps had scribbled on were destroyed by fire before the eyes of the men who had made em except those of viscount melbourne who put em in his pocket and with them a pencil copy of this secret treaty in his own handwriting the original copy of the treaty was entrusted to harlow gordon who put it in his dispatch box it was not until the next day when the englishman in the train on the way to paris discovered that viscount melbourne's private papers were missing jolly fine miss what they got off at the next stop went back to schöndorf and looked for the papers but neither there nor at the lodge was there hair or hide of them so they went back to england hoping that by some fortunate accident the papers had been destroyed and these 
asked the girl are they he nodded to make the story short i found out where they had gone my flights to germany have been made for this purpose don't you see the papers came into the hands of the emperor of germany and he was planning to have them sent to the president of the french republic england's ally it wouldn't do you know to have such papers at such a time fall into the hands of france hardly a credit to english diplomacy what might even result in a new entente but where were the papers in the meanwhile she asked that is what took miss abali long to find out after many hunts away from windenberg at night i traced him to a socialist by the name of gottschalk at schöndorf who had received him from a pensioner of the imperial forest service one of the attendants at the hunting lodge where the conference was held whether he found him or stole him i don't know but i frightened him and he confessed i was on the very point of stealing him from gottschalk when i found out that he had been writing to the wilhelmstrasse and when i tried to get him they were gone if i got him then you would not be here doris and i but how did you learn what the wilhelmstrasse proposed to do with them oh that was quite clear the english foreign office had been badly frightened and has used every effort with its secret agents in berlin to get that information it reached london the other day and just before i left scotland i knew the job was to be given to general von stromberg the rest was kismet the fortune of war a jolly good piece of luck Lindbergh overheard through the microphone von Stromberg given instructions to Wentz so that his excellency's own weapons were turned against him i was going to waylay Wentz on the way to france but circumstances prevented it was i cyril she broke in pleadingly i didn't know i betrayed you a trick he laughed invented in the ramsay's family but still useful he frightened me she stammered i believe the message signed maxwell genuine not maxwell he said gravely for maxwell a sore spot since the war began in the side of the war office maxwell is dead you she exclaimed fearfully yes he replied i told them and they caught him i couldn't do so before it's war doris it is a fair game i ask no favors nor do i give any she was silent a moment looking into the fire yes i understand a terrible game with odds against and after a pause you say that we will get away won't you tell me your plan he rose with a confident laugh yes i have a plan but i'm not going to tell now you're going to sleep she laughed wearily and sat up and you where will you sleep by the fire i've got some thinking to do i'm not sleepy i had eight hours last night i'm going to watch he bent over her and gently made her lie down i will talk to you no more 
you must go to sleep she sighed and stretched herself out while he covered her with his coat then he put a fresh log on the fire and sat beside her again in a moment he heard her voice i hope you don't mind my telling you cyril that i love you a great deal not in the least he whispered i wouldn't mind listening while you said it all night but there you're going to insist on my sleeping again won't you i don't seem to feel as if i could ever sleep again you're so cool so calm cyril how can you be no balayus getting excited here we're snug as two bugs in a rug we'll slip through them some way but where will we go he smiled i have a notion of going to england his kind of quiet humor always put her on her mettle to england she started up there won't be much chance of you doing anything tomorrow if you don't get your sleep he insisted gently do what i ask doris sleep you must i'll try good night cyril good night he kissed her on the forehead and drew his jacket over her again then sat beside her her hand in his watching gradually her nerves grew quiet and weariness mastered her he waited until her breathing indicated sleep when he carefully relinquished her hand and moved to the fire where he carefully studied the papers by the light of his candle after which he slipped them into the pocket of his trousers and moved softly across the cave into a corner where he opened the lid of a tin box and examined its contents taking out a fresh candle to replace the other one which was on the point of expiring then he filled his pipe with great deliberateness and returning the stool by the fire crossed his knees and bent forward gazing into the blaze his brows tangled in deep thought he had succeeded in getting what he came for so far the secret of the meeting in the shooting lodge was safe but for how long by this time a description of the two of them had of course been telegraphed to every village and military station in germany that wouldn't do at all alone it might be managed with a german officer's uniform and herr lieutenant ortsman's military orders but with doris it wasn't to be thought of the other alternative appealed to him more strongly he had matched his wits against von stromberg so far and had won and success made him hopeful where carelessness failed audacity sometimes succeeded the more he thought of his plan the deeper became his conviction that it was the only one possible under the circumstances there was continued danger for the papers and he deliberated for a long while upon the wisdom of destroying them at once finally rejecting that idea except as a last alternative his word that he had destroyed them would perhaps be sufficient to ease the minds of the gentlemen at the foreign office but there were certain memoranda about the promises of germany to england signed with the initials of prince von waldheim 
which should at all costs be saved but aside from this consideration hammersley having carried his affairs thus far successfully had a pride in finishing it as he had planned it could be done he would do it he got up and put another log on the fire and then stretched himself out at full length upon the rocks gazing into the flame in the corner where the bed was he heard the steady breathing of the girl what a trump she was what a tr he nodded and then dozed troubled visions flitted across his mind once he thought he heard the sound of a footstep on the rocks and started up it was broad daylight he listened for a while and then slowly sank back and slept again how long he did not know for something awakened him and he sat up reaching instinctively for the holster lying at his side to look straight into the muzzle of an automatic behind which was the handsome blond head of udo von winden End of chapter nineteen